Hello, hello, and welcome to all of you worms out there for the 15th episode of the Worm Burner Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and for this week, we are going to be going over the pros and cons of having one, two, and three strikers within a particular formation, and how the outlook of the overall team can change when it comes to these particular tactics uh, in in a, uh, in the game and just in practice as well. So, uh, And then, of course, ending on the extra man advice of the week, but if you have not already, go ahead and check out our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash the Worm Burner Podcast. And if you haven't, go ahead and check out our personal webpage. It is the wormburner podcast.captivate.fm. So again, that is the wormburner podcast.captivate.fm. And let's go ahead and get into the episode. I'm excited. So for this week, as I had stated, we're going to be going over the positives and negatives of having different striker systems, either one striker, two striker, or three strikers, and just basically weighing out the options when it comes to these particular scenarios. Uh, Let's go ahead and start first, of course, with the single striker formations and tactics. Um, There can definitely be a lot of physical attributes uh, actually detected when it comes to uh, having a single striker. Uh, A lot of the times when it comes to these uh, particular instances, uh, they are basically, they have creative liberty. There's not a lot of physicality uh, holding them back from doing things. Uh, Single striker formations tend to slip behind defenses a lot better uh, and even have uh, wingers and, and and roles like that on the sides when it comes to left and right attacking midfielders respectively. Uh, they can slip in to the defense a lot easier as well when it comes to single single striker roles or single striker positions and formations. So it really and truly depends on how the coach and or team uh, wants to take these particular instances. Now, uh, with that being said, uh, single striker formations tend to have a lot of pre- not necessarily pressure, but a lot of reliability on the striker being able to control the ball, being able to actually move and have different versatilities being a striker. Either they're very fast, they're they're able to hold up play and being able to build up from that. Uh, And different strikers have different attributes when it comes to that. I think one of the big ones that I've come to, to actually not necessarily criticize, but to point out was Romelu Lukaku with Manchester United. Uh, when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was first there, he had Romelu Lukaku in a single uh, striker formation. And honestly, he didn't really utilize him to the best that I, I felt like he could. Uh, and this isn't to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or Romelu's fault because Romelu was asked to do a lot that at least personally for me, I didn't think he had the capability of doing. Maybe he did in practice, and this is nothing to take away from the actual ability Romelu has because he is a phenomenal striker. He is a phenomenal a phenomenal player, and I'm not trying to take that away from him. Uh, and when Oli did what he did at Manchester United, he put him in a particular situation that I don't think he was used to. Uh, he was expecting Romelu to help with the build-up, being able to take that single striker role 
or that single striker position uh, in the formation, being able to hold up play, being able to, when it comes to those particular formations, you need to be able to rely on a player that can create their, basically create their own chances. And when it came to Romelu, he wasn't necessarily the fastest. He wasn't necessarily the best at build-up play. Uh, nine times out of ten, when he was in those particular scenarios by himself, he wasn't able really to do much. And this, again, this is not a knock for him just in, in particular. This is just what I've seen from him and being able to adjust and adapt to at least what he should have been or what Ollie should have been able to do with him because I felt like when he made his big transfer move from United to Inter Milan, I remember all the headlines and all the people that I was talking to saying, oh, he's just going to flop at enter. Oh, he's just going to have a, a last-ditch effort for a big career at enter, uh, and it won't amount to anything. And I actually started looking at it and actually started thinking about what uh, and uh, and what Conte could have done at Inter with Lukaku I'm every single time I thought about it I was just like this is going to spike Lukaku back up he's this is good that was a phenomenal move in my opinion for uh Inter Milan and knowing that he would be paired either paired or uh, have another striker uh just being able to work alongside Lautaro Martinez uh, up front at enter, I knew that was going to do something because when it came to partnerships in the past with Lukaku, he was able to work with another striker, or another forward, being able to build up play and being able to work systems like that. And I remember just seeing that and everyone was squawking, yelling and screaming, <laughs> he's not going to amount to anything, what is he doing? And I was just sitting there like he's going to do something amazing there. And sure enough, within within the amount of time he's been there, he's already won the Scudetto with, with Enter. And I'm, I just sat there. I was just like, I knew that this was going to happen. I saw the Inter and the way that they were progressing as a team and being able to take talent that they have and adjust it to the way that they see fit. And uh, Lukaku was just a, a perfect, perfect player for that, at least in my opinion. And uh, I mean, it's just one of those things that it it has a lot of. So back to the single striker, I feel that when it comes to that, you have to rely a bunch on independent work versus being able to work on a team. And when you have that individual talent of being able to rely on that player individually for build up, for creating chances on their own, I feel like it's it's not necessarily a bad thing being able to say hey maybe maybe I can't do that but I can tell my coach or I can put myself in another better scenario and position to be able to put my talents and traits uh, up on full display and that's where I would say going into the two striker role that is really and truly where a lot of things kick up because when you have two striker formations this is where the attack really, really accelerates. They are able to have a much more physical presence within the box, having a lot more uh, attacking mentality. It's a lot easier to have a, 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 an attacking mentality with a two-striker formation uh, than it is, of course, with a one-striker formation. And 
with the one striker formation, uh, nine times out of ten, I feel that uh, it's when you have single striker formations, you're very defensive. And not to get too much into the specifics, but uh, one of the formations that I like to do is a 4-2-3-1 when it comes to just tactics in general. That's my go-to. That's the way I, my teams that I used to actually play for, the the formation we used. Uh, it's just a, a, a comfortable normality for me. And that's where I have my practice. So being able to have that kind of a formation, it's a defensive formation, but uh, when utilized right, it can actually be a very attacking formation as well. Uh, And that's one of the things that having that single striker uh, ability can hurt and help. So within a defensive mindset, uh, it can hurt when you don't have a build-up player when that is used to being isolated by himself it's just different scenarios for different players and with the two striker you have a lot more uh, leniency not having to rely on one particular person maybe one person isn't having the best game but the other person is and so you can switch the role you can switch uh, the way the mentalities run within the within the formation maybe you have one of the strikers playing as a deep lying forward and then the other one playing as either a target man or an advance forward uh, and the deep lying playmaker can actually set up the advance forward and even some of the uh, left or right attacking midfielders as wingers or inside forwards it it really depends of the caliber tactics in general uh, for the formation but of course when it comes to the attacking aspect I feel like a two of course a two striker formation is better than a one striker formation attacking wise uh, in some regards because when you're down when you need to be able to score one or two goals you need the extra attack you need to be able to say hey we need to up the pressure this is what we're going to be able to do and I don't necessarily feel that uh, you can do that in a in a one in a one striker formation all the time, all the time, because there's this degree of impact that you have as a single striker that you can only press so much. You have to have an attacking mentality, whereas the two striker it ups it. You're like, let's go, let's do this. It 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 ups everything when it comes to the attacking mentality, being able to get forward. Um, now, when it comes to the negatives, when it comes to this formation, I feel that personally, two striker form two striker formations can really dampen the defensive strategies uh, of the formation. Of course, uh, that is where you see a lot of the balanced kind of formations with two striker systems um, and two strikers are kind of like the neutral in my opinion they are good within specific scenarios and being able to keep a a controlled tempo on the game Um, and if you aren't looking to uh, insert your dominance within a specific realm of the of the game uh, that's a good balanced formation and and again not to get too into formations but a good balanced formation is a 4-4-2 it's probably one of the most basic uh, soccer formations out there to date um, and it's a 
again, like I had said, it's not too overly aggressive and it's not too overly defensive. It's in between. You're able to support both and you're able to uh, have the stability of having a, an intact formation, which is why for the three striker formations, that is when you start to really see teams, they want a very attacking mentality. Uh, I, I feel that at least personally when it comes to uh, teams, at least current nowadays, Chelsea is one of them. They have uh, attacking mentality, especially with the roster that they have. My gosh, they have Mason Mount. They have Christian Pulisic, American boy. Uh, you have Willian. You also have uh, Kai Havertz. You also have Timo Werner. And if they even get their hands on uh, Erling Brandt Holland, that would just be an unbelievable grab by them and as well as Callum Hunter Nadoy and even uh, I I'm unsure if they still have Tammy Abraham but I'll definitely check into that but their attacking roster is just unbelievable and the fact that they have the ability to run a three striker formation is just a testament to them they have that relentless pressure of being in teams uh, within their parameters and not have to rely on defensive work because they only have three defenders back so the again the the formation that I'm talking about here is the four uh, three four three um, and so with those three strikers or or typically when it comes to a three striker formation it is the three four three uh, but it can vary it in different ways and so with the three strikers, you're really looking to put a goal into the back of the net or multiple goals into the back of the net, back of the net. I know that when it comes to a attacking mentality, there is almost zero aspect when it comes to defense in the form of you aren't really worried about your team, your the opposing team having control of the ball because. Uh, you want so much of the possession, you want so much of the ball, having possession of the ball, that you really aren't giving them the chance to have that kind of uh, hold on the game at all. And when it comes to three-striker formations, that's the best way to be able to do it. They have the best control, having the ability to attack and, and defend basically within the same half of the pitch. Uh, and it really and truly depends, again, like I had said, on the coach, on the actual players itself, how they, how you want to adapt. And as a player, don't look at these formations and rule yourself out of being that versatile player that can play two positions or it, multiple roles even within that, within that same degree of conversation. I know so many people that just limited themselves to one position and they didn't really do anything else. Like, for example, uh, within me playing at the at the University of North Alabama, uh, I had played right back at, at one game and then I played striker in another. Like, I was utilized all over the pitch when it came to the team and just the different uh, strategies that the coach had in place. And so, uh, just again, it really and truly depends on how you personally want to develop yourself and how your coach wants to develop. And if you don't see eye-to-eye -eye with your coach, maybe have a, a discussion with them. Talk to him about what he has the vision for and what he wants from you as a player. Because nine times out of ten, when we have this frustration of not understanding what our coach wants it's 
again, due to a lack of communication. Almost everything can be boiled down to a lack of, com uh, lack of communication. And with these different roles and with these different formations, having one striker, two striker, or three strikers, sometimes that can get lost. Sometimes there's so much on the coach's mind uh, that he doesn't really necessarily have the uh, under not understanding, but having the capability of explaining it well enough. I know sometimes when it comes to trainings, at least at high school and even in college, we have an uh, hour and a half to two hours to implement our thoughts and our processes. And that's why when it comes to the international game versus club level, club level competitions, international coaches get so much more uh, pressure handed on to them because not only do they have these international tournaments that these that these countries want you to be able to perform in, but they have such a limited amount of time to be able to convey all of their ideas within the however many weeks you get for international breaks. And then on top of that, for these larger tournaments, like you get a month and a half to two months max for a World Cup or something like that. It's not a whole ton of time to be able to implement what you want tactically. And that's the whole point of being able to talk to your coach. And what I had what I had explained before is, I guarantee you, any coach worth his weight of being able to say, I know what I can do and I know how to be able to make this team better. If any of his players come up to him and ask him for help, asking him to be able to understand what they need to do better. I guarantee you nine times out of ten that that coach will explain better within that within you asking that question than they ever will when they're actually trying to dis demonstrate it to the entire team. I guarantee it. I guarantee it because I am the exact same way. Sometimes when it comes to teaching particular groups, uh, you aren't able to phrase it to be able to have every single person understand, and that's okay. Sometimes uh, that can be due to a, a lack of just communication skills because uh, I know that I've had my fair share of those. But within the same, within the same realm, within the same probability, just maybe that one way didn't make sense, but I guarantee you he also has different ways of being able to explain the exact same situation. And being able to say, hey, like, that didn't make any sense. Can you explain that again for me? Or show me. Like, there's there's different ways to be able to uh, portray these different ideologies and different tactics as a coach. And being the player that you are, be able to adapt. Be able to see what the coach is seeing. Be able to see what you're seeing. Be able to see what your other teammates are seeing. And that will infinitely make you a better player, personally. And that's what I personally believe. That's what I feel makes every player a better player. Being able to understand more than just one aspect of the game. And being being able to have that adjustment, being able to have that mentality, just it, it improves so much. Uh, so much more than just your physical play within the game. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap this section up, and I want to go ahead and go to the extra man advice of the week. 
Alright, so for the Extra Man Advice of the Week this week, I wanted to take a different approach because normally when I have this segment, we go over the mentality, the different ways that you can improve yourself physically within the game, and I wanted to take a nutrition aspect this week. Uh, So for this week, I wanted to just go over basic things that when it comes to nutritional facts for soccer players uh, can be overlooked, and I know that a lot of the time when it comes to having your physical peak playing uh, sometimes it can be as simple as changing your diet simply uh, changing out the different meat that you have uh, versus uh, maybe having an extra smoothie for a protein smoothie or something like that it it can really make a difference and so when it comes to the actual things that are highly recommended for soccer players a lot of the times it can be down to whole meal breads as well as pastas potatoes and rice is a phenomenal way uh, to be able to help your diet as a soccer player um, nine a, a good amount of a soccer players diet is carbohydrates I know I've probably said that before so being able to have your pastas your potatoes your rice having something that takes a while for your body to break down uh, is a very big positive for a soccer player especially if you're working out as often as you are as uh, either on the pitch or in the weight room or, or whatever you need to do to burn that off Having those high levels of carbohydrates to uh, basically work your body uh, and and to have the energy to last longer, that's that's where that buildup happens. Being able to have your body break it down over a very long period of time. If you have fats or proteins or anything like that, those are going to get broken down much more quicker than carbohydrates are, which is why uh, pastas, potatoes, and rices are, are generally a, a very nu- good nutritional uh, advi- good nutritional advice for soccer players because they're able to break it down, again, as I stated, uh, over a much larger period of time. And then when it comes to proteins, even the proteins can even have a very negative effect due to the fact of what different meats there are out there. Uh, A lot of the times when it comes to soccer players, you need to stick to lean meats uh, like chicken uh, and turkey as well as uh, even some fish as well. Uh, And then even going down to beans and uh, nuts as well as a a snack. Uh, Sometimes uh, being able to have uh, a snack here and there can it can definitely improve uh, your level of protein and not having to rely on trail mixes uh, that are that are heavy in sugar aspect I mean uh, trail mixes that don't uh, rely heavily on the sugar aspect are, are good it don't don't take your diet and and shove a whole bunch of things that don't need to be in there and I know that nutrition wise I I may not be the expert but I know when it comes to soccer players being able to uh, understand what goes into your body that's why when it comes to teams and coaches like Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger actually revolutionized a diet plan when it came to Arsenal FC in England uh, that had never been done before, at least at least as prominently. 
within the world of soccer. And Arsene Wenger went in and he told his players, don't do this, 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 and this. And I know a bunch of different coaches as well that have a alcohol uh, pro, pro, probation on alcohol. Basically, the players can't drink alcohol except for after particular instances or games even, uh, particular scenarios, and it's because they want to not necessarily control their players' lives, but to be able to have their players perform at a peak level. And sometimes that comes down to controlling diet, being able to have specific uh, cooks, cook a specific meal and and so on and so forth it can go down to that level of intricacy within a club of being able to have this and this for players uh, and not having particular options food wise for their players and it's up to the players to be able to uphold that as well Uh, nine times out of ten if the player wants to be as good as as uh, have their potential unlocked, they'll follow their coaches and follow the uh, sp- strict regiments that they have for uh, any particular diets that they have. But like I state, like I stated, I may not be a nutrition specialist when it comes to the actual field itself, but I understand uh, being able to understand part of the nutrition when it comes to soccer in general. It's extremely important and and. I feel that that's necessary information for everyone else uh, out there. So uh, that'll actually wrap up today. Uh, Thank you so much for listening in uh, for this week's episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you a million times. Thank you to all of the listens out there. And I look forward to seeing you guys next week. So stay safe, have fun, love soccer. And again, I'll see you guys next week. Ciao, everyone.